Hi, I'm Dr. Lat Mansour, Research Lead of Health via Modern Nutrition and also the host of the HUMN podcast. Now, this video has been out for about a week now. It has gained a lot of attention within the metabolic health community and even Joe Rogan and Lex Friedman commented and reacted to it because it has such a bold claim by saying that genetics is the main reason why obesity occurs. So let's watch it and I'll give you my take on what I think the video is about. Almost half of American adults have obesity, a condition that was a fraction of that just 40 years ago. And scientists don't agree on what's caused the dramatic increase. What everyone does agree on is that it's a major health crisis because obesity can cause type 2 diabetes, hypertension, stroke, and more than a dozen cancers. Now there's a medication that leads to dramatic weight loss, but it's wildly expensive. Hollywood celebrities take it to flatten their tummies, but few can afford the thousands of dollars it costs a year. And very few insurance companies will cover it, even though in 2013, the American Medical Association, some would say finally, recognized obesity as a disease. See, from the introduction itself, I feel like it's such a push for this medication. And the way they frame it, it sounds very much like a premium medication and very expensive medication that only the wealthy can use it. And throwing in on top of that, that Hollywood celebrities use it to flatten their tummy basically gives you a little bit of a bias that it does work, but it is very expensive and premium. The story will continue in a moment. It's a brain disease. It is? It's a brain disease. And the brain tells us how much to eat and how much to store. Dr. Fatima Cody Stanford, an obesity doctor at Mass General Hospital, an associate professor at Harvard Medical School, says common beliefs about obesity are all wrong. It is your turn to get on that scale. And diet shows, like The Biggest Loser, you are snookering people. If you diet, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you lose weight, right? For many of us, we can go on a diet, something like the biggest loser, right? You mm -hmm. go and you strict people, you make them work 10 hours a day, and then you feed them 500 calories. For most people, they will acutely lose weight. But 96% of those participants in the biggest loser regained their weight because their brain worked well. It was supposed to bring them back to store what they needed or what the brain thinks it needs. So in this case, this is exceptionally true, even with bariatric surgery, right? We have seen again and again, you know, percentage of the patients regain the weight. Not only it's the brain problem, you also have to look at it from um, a metabolic dysfunction point of view, where these people are essentially already having insulin resistance. Just because you have a drastic change and really dial down the calorie intake as well as increasing calorie expenditure or energy expenditure by exercising, that, does, that doesn't solve the problem long-term. It is not as sustainable if you already have developed insulin resistance for all these years. So imagine if these kind of metabolic dysfunction takes years to develop to a point where it is unhealthy and showing symptoms, surely by doing these changes over 90 days, 30 days, 60 days, it will not last for the next five years if you don't 
maintain a more sustainable and effective way of losing weight and keeping it off. So willpower, throw that out the window. My last patient that I saw today was a young woman who's 39 who struggles with severe obesity. She's been working out five to six times a week consistently. She's eating very little. Her brain is defending a certain set point. A set point, says Dr. Stanford, is a range of weight your brain is in charge of maintaining by controlling how much food you eat and how much of it you store. One theory is that it's an evolutionary survival mechanism that helped retain fat during famines. So we had COVID. Mm -hmm. Lots and lots of people gain weight. Do those people have a new set point that's higher now? Absolutely. So when you have a chronic stressor and you get to a certain weight and maintain that weight for, let's say, at least three to six months, then you recalibrate that set point to a different set point. I've always heard that it's the fast and that is true. When you have a higher set point as well, your body tends to want to get back to that set point. So it takes a while for your body to adapt to any lifestyle changes. And that's what we talk about a lot on the show as well. It's having those changes, but also letting your body adapt over time so that you can keep those changes, so that you can tell your brain and your body to say that this is the new set point. So she talked about having a lot of food, you increase the set point and your body wants to go back to that, that bigger size and heavier body weight. But similarly, it also works the other way around, which is the opposite. So you do your lifestyle changes, you make your lifestyle changes and you lower that set point to a point that is sustainable. Now, the key point here is sustainable. If you lower it too much, you will bounce back because your body will try to um, balance and, and try to prioritize survivability because it thinks that you are going into starvation or dying. So you want to sl make slow adjustments so that you set the new set point that is not too low, but a bit lower than what you are right now, and then further go down, adjusting the calorie intake, energy expenditure, exercise, physical activity, all of that plays a role. Food, that it's the diet Cokes, that kind of thing, that is, the instigator, is that true? So I think we have to look at the different causes of obesity as a big pie, and that's one factor. But notice how I'm using this part of the pie, right? But the number one cause of obesity is genetics. That, that is the bold statement that everyone is talking about. Number one cause of obesity is genetics. That is not what we see in research, and that is not what we see in all the data and the evidence-based research that we have done all this while, you know, there's a lot to do with metabolism, there's a lot to do with nutrients, there's also a lot to do with psychology, you know, addiction, relationship with food, all of that actually plays a collective role in developing metabolic dysfunction and obesity. That means if you are born to parents that have obesity, you have a 50 to 85% likelihood of having the disease yourself, even with optimal diet, exercise, sleep management, stress management. So when people see families that have obesity, the- So that's basically telling us that if you are born in a family with genetics that is predisposed to obesity, that's essentially nothing you can do. That is such 
a depressing way to look at things and also an untrue way to look at things. I was born in a family with very high prevalence of diabetes, very high prevalence of obesity. And not only until I was in my 20s that I learned that I can change, I can do something about it and I can change the way I live and I eat and I exercise in order to optimize my metabolic health. And I'm sure a lot of you guys out there who have experienced it yourself can attest to that. Assumption is, ugh, what are they feeding those kids? Yeah. They're doing something wrong. Actually, do you know this? 79 to 90% of physicians in the United States have significant bias towards individuals that are heavier. Now, doctors listening to me may say, oh, it's not me. Hold your horses, because has that patient come to you and told you, look, doc, I'm eating well. Look, doc, I'm exercising. And the doc says to them, are you sure? I don't believe that that's really what you're doing. Wait, are you saying that doctors don't understand obesity doctors? Doctors do not understand obesity. In one of her published studies, Dr. Stanford found that most medical schools don't teach that obesity is a disease, and in fact, don't even offer courses on it, even though it's the second leading cause of preventable death in the country after smoking. Nicole Sams, mother of five from Rhode Island, spent years going to doctors who all had the same message. Well, you just have to go see a dietitian. And I did. I did everything I was told to do. I went to a dietitian. I, you know, I sat, had the rubber foods come in front of me. Oh, only eat this portion. I'm like, oh. Maya Cohen went on her first diet when she was 13. At her heaviest, at five feet tall, she weighed 192 pounds. Did you feel that people looked at you and said, why doesn't she stop eating? She's eaten her way to that. You know, you look at someone and you internalize, oh, they must think I'm eating too much. So it's just after a while, you just personally think that, okay, everyone's telling me that I'm, that this is a flaw in my character, therefore it must be true. And so you start believing this. Don't you think if people walking down the street with obesity, stigmatized as they are, shunned, don't you think if they could lose weight and keep it off, they would? Dr. Caroline Apovian, co-director of the Weight Management and Wellness Center at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. Exercise is good, I'm walking a lot. Who sees both Maya Cohen and Nicole Sams is relieved that at last she has a highly effective medication to offer her patients that's safe, according to the FDA. I would like to take this opportunity to acknowledge our sponsors of this show, Ketone IQ, the best exogenous ketone you can take to elevate your blood ketone levels. I personally take it every day before a podcast to wire my brain up, before and after my workout to really feel my body. So give yourself a chance, take a shot, and you will feel the difference within minutes. So head over to hvmn.com and use the code HVMNPOD20, that is HVMNPOD20, for 20% off your purchase and enjoy your ketone IQ and give your brain the perfect fuel. So now we are going into the realm of medication. To say that none of that lifestyle intervention worked, it's also another bold statement because we know that it has, and it has shown in many clinical trials. And what I'm saying is that the problem is not the behavioral uh, aspect of things. And, and she's right. If you know, 
do you think if all these obese patients, if they can change, they don't want to change? That's that's fair. But the problem is what's driving that behavior? The hormonal imbalance, the metabolic dysfunction, the relationship with food, the psychological trauma that may or may not have led to unhealthy behaviors. So all these other factors also play a role. So we are not victimizing them for their behavior and behavior alone. Now, as we know more about metabolism and physiology, we are understanding these different factors that are driving those unhealthy behaviors. So it's not that they don't want to change. It's just that they don't know what has to be done for them to make that change and make that change sustainable or keep the results. So yes, while I agree, some people may need external help, such as medication, bariatric surgery, those are really effective tools. But ultimately, you also have to think about what is sustainable. Do you want to be on the drugs entire life? Or find something that is more sustainable, like lifestyle changes, especially if you need those tools to help you start with. And then after that, change your lifestyle and rebuild your metabolic health so that you can actually enjoy those results for the rest of your life. What the medication does... It's part of a new generation of medications that brings about an impressive average loss of 15 to 22 percent of a person's weight, and it helps keep it off. A major issue. Doctors Apovian and Stanford have been advising companies developing drugs for obesity, including the Danish company Novo Nordisk, an advertiser on this broadcast. There you go. So first of all, the two doctors are advisors of these pharmaceutical companies, and they are also the advertisers for this broadcast, which means they sponsored this broadcast. So there is a huge conflict of interest here to really observe if they are projecting the correct information out there based on all the data and all the science that we know to date. It makes the drug Wagovi that you inject yourself once a week with something like an EpiPen. It's not easy to get. The drug is currently in short supply, and it costs more than $1,300 a month. People in Hollywood can afford these expensive injections, and they're taking them. Right. And they're not necessarily people with obesity. Yeah. We have a national shortage on these medications. If those that have the means are able to get them, yet the people that really need them are unable to, then that creates a greater disparity, right? The, the haves and the have-nots. The vast majority of people with obesity simply can't afford Wigovi, and most insurance companies refuse to cover it, partly because, as AHIP, the Health Insurance Trade Association, explained in a statement, these drugs have not yet been proven to work well for long-term weight management and can have complications and adverse impacts on patients. And that may, may very well be true. What we've seen so far is really nausea, vomiting. You know, that's why these drugs are dosed slowly and oh. starting with low doses oh, and build up and build up. Dr. Apovian says most of the side effects go away over time. We are frustrated every single day when we see patients 
who desperately need to lose weight to reduce the diabetes, reduce the hypertension, stroke, heart disease. And we can't give them this fabulous, robust medication that is very effective and safe. And we can't give it to them because... Again, this is a tool which I agree could help some people, but it is by no means a miracle drug or a miracle pill that can solve all your problems, especially when we're talking about lifelong conditions, metabolic dysfunction that you have to live with for the rest of your life if you do not change your lifestyle towards a healthier lifestyle. Insurance won't cover it. I receive emails about denials that state that we're denying this because the doctor has not counseled the patient on behavior change as part of this. That's where the stigma of obesity comes in. Mm -hmm. The idea that the patient can do it with diet and exercise. You would never do that to a patient with hypertension or heart disease or type two diabetes. Tell them that you just, just don't eat sugar, you'll be fine. Novo Nordisk also makes a drug for type 2 diabetes called Ozempic, which most insurers and employers do cover. What frustrates the doctors is that Ozempic and Wagovi are exactly the same drug, though Wagovi for obesity is usually prescribed at a higher dosage. When Maya Cohen wanted the medication for obesity... My insurance company told me that they considered a vanity drug. A vanity drug. So... That suggests that the insurance company does not consider obesity a disease. Correct. Nicole was also denied coverage. On its website, her health plan through the state of Rhode Island puts anti-obesity medications in the same category as drugs for erectile dysfunction and cosmetic purposes. There are about 110 million Americans eligible for an anti-obesity medication making it a costly investment for insurance. But if they covered it, overall government and private health care spending would probably come down. Just take diabetes. That is, in many cases, caused by obesity. Diabetes costs more than $300 billion a year, most of which is covered through Medicare and Medicaid. But University of Chicago healthcare economist Thomas Phillipson points out that there's actually a law that prevents Medicare from covering weight loss drugs. You would think that that insurance program for uh, older adults would see an enormous benefit to these drugs. Yeah, a third of Medicare spending is diabetes, you know, and which is highly tied uh, to obesity. And, uh, and Medicare kind of sees all the healthcare expenses when you get older when you have a heart disease, et cetera, from your obesity. I think what ultimately will drive it is that they have evidence that this is actually gonna lower total Medicare costs. Great, great. When Dr. Apovian told both Maya Cohen and Nicole Sams that their obesity was not a weakness of willpower, they were blown away. They looked at her and they It's true. Like we've said before, it's, it's not just willpower. There are, a, there are a lot of things going on, the chemical imbalance going on in your body that is driving the lack of willpower or driving the lack of motivation or driving the, even the difficulty in performing any physical exercise, let alone you know, being able to live healthily.
I said, I don't believe you. What do you mean it's not my fault? It is my fault because it's what I heard from my entire life. I went home that day like a, a boulder had come off my shoulders. Like, okay, there's finally hope. There's hope. Did you cry? I did. A lot. <laughs> All those years of thinking that somehow you, you have no willpower and it's your moral failing and you're, you're a glutton and why did you eat so much and, and feeling shame. It's the shame. Yeah. Yeah. It's the shame. It's the shame. Maya was all... See, now more than ever, what we need is not this super drug, but empathy and also understanding of the metabolic system that is more complicated than we think so that we can treat these patients from multi multiple angles and using multimodal approaches that really covers psychological aspects, metabolic aspects, nutritional, um, exercise, physiological all of that aspects to really, because that's essentially, those are the different aspects of our lives. And if metabolic disease such as obesity and diabetes are, are lifestyle diseases, then we ought to look at it and solve it from a lifestyle point of view, which has all these different aspects. It's not just one drug clearing one pathway and causing you to lose weight and then you have to be on that drug for the rest of your life. Ultimately able to get the medication covered by her insurance because she has type 2 diabetes. She's lost more than 50 pounds. Dr. Apovian says she does have to continue dieting and exercising. Put your back up against the... And like most patients, will be taking the drug indefinitely to maintain her weight. Nicole doesn't have type 2 diabetes. Nicole, we called your insurance company, and they gave us a statement. Okay. Earlier this year, the state of Rhode Island, in consultation with its pharmacy benefits manager, decided that health insurance for the state of Rhode Island employees would cover the entire class of anti-obesity drugs. Really? This coverage change goes into effect January... Okay. 2023. I'm so happy for you. Yes. Yay. This is great. This is great. Wow. Wow. In its statement. See, I am genuinely happy for her as well. Because, like I said, I don't think the drug in and of itself is evil or anything. I think some people do need that help and it is a tool. Um, I just hope that over time as well that she can lose weight as well as keeping the weight off because obviously that's affecting her life and her quality of life and her psychological state. The Health Insurance Trade Association said obesity is a complex disease and the evidence and clinical guidelines related to obesity treatment are evolving rapidly. Health insurance providers will continue to review the clinical evidence. There you go. So um, again, what issue I have with this broadcast is first and foremost saying that genetics is the main cause of obesity. That is my problem because that's not what the data is showing us. And to brush off all lifestyle interventions to say that it's of no use because you're born with it. Therefore, just use this drug for the rest of your life to keep your weight off. But at the same time, the doctors also mentioned that to keep it off, you need to maintain exercise and good diet. 
isn't that contradictory to what they just said? So as long as you use the drug, all the rest will be fine. And I also took a look at um, Dr. Fatima Cody Stanford's list of publications. One of her latest paper that was published was called A Call to Action, Multidisciplinary Care and Treatment of Obesity in Pediatrics, which shows me she does believe in multidisciplinary way of treating diabetes, especially when it comes to physiological, metabolic health, psychological, nutritional, all of these different aspects. So that to me is that this video is very much targeted to promote the drug, if anything. And I would like people to watch this video with a grain of salt because it is sponsored by the pharmaceutical company that creates the drug, but also know that it is a viable tool that you may use, especially if you have tried everything else and it doesn't work. So same thing like bariatric surgery, it's a huge surgery, it has risks and all of that, but it has also been known as the most effective surgery that helps people lose weight. So this is my first time reacting to a video as such. If you like content like this, please leave a comment or even suggest to me any other videos that you would like me to give my take on. So until next time, thank you for listening.